Welcome to episode 41, The Truth About the Gender Pay Gap. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on Facebook or Twitter and the topics such as the gender pay gap, student loans, socialism, or the Democratic Party come up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partners. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down and give the podcast a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com. The easiest way to stay up to date on the podcast is to subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play Music. It's also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbeam, and YouTube. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. April 2nd was Equal Pay Day. It supposedly marked the day when women's wages caught up to man's earnings from last year. It supposedly takes women one year and three months to make the same as men do in just one year. In commemoration of Equal Pay Day, Nancy Pelosi said this, So in other words, for the first three months of the year, most women are working for free compared to what a man will make in the overall year. So this is about respect. It's about respect, my colleagues on both sides of the aisle. Respect for women and the work they do. And if they do equal work, why wouldn't they get equal pay? Last month, March of 2019, the House passed the Paycheck Fairness Act, which reads in part, Despite the enactment of the Equal Pay Act in 1963, many women continue to earn significantly lower pay than men for equal work. Pay discrepancies exist in both the private and government sectors. Pay disparities are especially severe for women and girls of color. In many instances, the pay disparities can only be due to continued intentional discrimination or the lingering effects of past discrimination. After controlling for education, attainment, occupation, industry, union status, race, ethnicity, and labor force experience, roughly 40% of the pay gap remains unexplained. Wow. You've heard national Democrats and liberals of all stripes throw around the claim for years that women make 70 cents on the dollar compared to men in similar positions. Much like the settled science of climate change, where 97% of climate scientists agree there is global warming, this is just another tool to divide the country with propaganda and lies. You need to understand that the National Democratic Party is now a coalition party made up of traditional Democrats, whose ranks have been diminishing over the last few decades as the party has become more and more radical. So they fill this gap by cobbling together groups of what I call perceived aggrieved victim groups. You know what I mean. Blacks, homosexuals, transgenders, the poor, the war on women, of which today's topic is part. It's one victim after another whose only hope is to elect Democrats. These days, it's called intersectionality, which is just a fancy word for describing the levels of oppression and discrimination or disadvantage certain groups have in society. The theory of intersectionality claims that a woman is more oppressed than a man, but a black woman is more oppressed than a white woman, and a lesbian black woman is more oppressed than either. See how that works? So back to the topic at hand. Those who push this gender pay gap, despite the fact that it has been resoundingly discredited, are simply using it as another tool to further polarize the country. Their argument is women are oppressed in this male-dominated society, and the only hope for them is more government interference in the marketplace. Sorry for going off on that tangent, but I think it's important for you to understand why we are barraged with faux outrages. So where did this 70-cent number come from? 
Well, after spending an exhaustive 30 seconds in what is known as an internet search engine, I found out. Apparently, that's too much work for your average journalist, liberal politician, or political hack. Unless, unless the truth is irrelevant, which it clearly is for national Democrats and liberals. That is the reason I started the TruthQuest podcast. So, the so-called 70-cent gender pay gap is simply the difference between the average earnings of all men and women who work full-time. So, for example, if the average annual earnings of women is 32000 a year and that of men is 41000 then you get the rough equivalent of a 77%. Now, you might ask the question, does it account for anything? Anything? Like occupation, position, education, job tenure, or hours work? Pat yourself on the back for thinking more critically than 95% of journalists and TV personalities at MSNBC, CNN, CBS, NBC. Guess what happens when economists account for these relevant factors? The wage gap narrows to a few cents. Now, regular listeners know that I'm, I have very open disdain for the National Democratic Party. Listen to episode 39 to learn why. But you got to hand it to them. They are relentless. Their attempts to divide Americans along any possible lines is quite extraordinary and quite destructive. So let's apply some logic to this topic, shall we? If what these National Democrats and loony leftists say is true, if women really make 77% of what men make, wouldn't logic lead one to conclude that the money-grubbing, profit-seeking, capitalistic companies would have female-only workforces? Logic would also dictate that women in hiring manager positions are also sexist, against their own sex. Of course, but we are dealing with liberal logic here, where normal logic is ignored when it contradicts their divisive propaganda message. This is deception by omission, and the fake news is too jaded to ask logical follow-up questions like, what about occupation? What about hours worked? What about hazardous conditions? See, at the end of the day, this faux issue comes down to choice. Women make different choices than men. The same people who ignore women's choices in the workplace cannot shut up about the same women's choice to terminate their pregnancy. When you hear National Democrats and liberals talk about choice, understand they are only referring to choices in the areas of life that they deem within your purview. They get to determine what you choose to do. Clearly, killing a baby is a choice that you can make, and some evil leftists actually encourage you to quote-unquote shout your abortion. Do a Google search on those three words if you don't believe me. But can you choose to smoke a cigarette? Hmm, not without paying taxes. Can you choose to worship God in public? Absolutely not. What about choosing to use a plastic straw at a restaurant or plastic bags at a grocery store? Hmm, probably not, depending on the location. Can you drink soda? Eh, sure, if you want to pay an exorbitant tax. See Philadelphia soda tax. Can I choose to have a gun? Oh, absolutely not. So what about the choices women make related to their careers? Can we evaluate those, or is that off-limits? No wonder liberals always seem so angry, and rather than debate their ideological opponents, resort to name-calling and refusing to debate on the merits of their policies. It must be exhausting trying to make sense of their ideology. So rather than take my word for the fact that the whole gender wage gap concept is full of shit, let's look at some academic studies. One of the most often cited studies I came across when researching this episode was one done by Harvard PhD candidates titled, Why Do Women Earn Less Than Men? The study examined data from the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority, 
So because it's a union shop, it had uniform hourly wages for both men and women, and they adhere to the same rules and enjoy the same benefits, this made a nice uh, study group. Yet even at the Transportation Authority, female train and bus operators earn less than men. Well, there you have it. Proof positive that institutional sexism suppresses wages of women, and government must redress this blatant and obvious travesty of justice. Unfortunately for the grievance mongers, the study offered evidence that the choices and priorities of women account for much of the earnings disparity. Please notice that I use the word earnings, not wage, because men and women's wages are, for similar jobs are the same, but they do tend to have different earnings. The Harvard economist who conducted the study evaluated time cards and scheduling from 2011 to 2017. They also factored in sex, age, date of hire, tenure, and whether an employee was married or had dependents. They found that male train and bus operators worked about 83% more overtime hours than their female colleagues and were twice as likely to accept an overtime shift on short notice and that about twice as many of the women as men never took overtime. The male workers took 48% fewer unpaid hours off under the Family Leave Act. Female workers were more likely to take less desirable routes if that meant working fewer nights, weekends, and holidays. Come to find out, parenthood turned out to be an important factor. Fathers were more likely than childless men to want the extra cash for overtime, and mothers were more likely to want time off than childless women. That gives you a glimpse into the liberal mind, doesn't it? They full-court press you for abortion on demand, these days advocating for infanticide in some states like New York. So when the idea of raising a family and women's choices to participate more fully in their wonderful lifestyle comes up, they must be completely perplexed. See what I mean about how difficult it must be to be a liberal? In a word, the study found that the difference in male and female earnings at the MBTA was explained by women's choices. Women have higher demand for workplace flexibility, and lower demand for overtime hours than men. These gender differences are consistent with women taking on more of the household and child care duties than men, limiting their work availability in the process. Here again, ideology gets in the way of common sense because the modern feminist movement cannot reconcile the fact that women are drawn to nurturing their home environment with their message of, there is no difference between men and women. Here's another demonstrative example. Last year, a lawsuit was filed against the Boston Symphony by a woman flutist. She claimed that she was making 70000 a year less than a male counterpart. Well, that's enough of a headline for any mainstream media or liberal activist to jump on and start bashing men on social media. There's just one problem. The woman suing the symphony plays the flute, and the male she was comparing herself to plays the oboe. Come to find out, those are very different instruments. Hmm, who knew? The symphony explained the pay differential in Econ 101 language. Quote, the flute and oboe are not comparable because in part the oboe is more difficult to play and there is a larger pool of flutists. End quote. So the supply of flutists is larger than oboists, therefore oboe players command higher pay than flutists. Okay, I, I get it. So again, the idea of choice explains the wage gap. Had this woman learned to play a more difficult instrument, you can bet your ass that the Boston Symphony would have paid her what she was worth, regardless of the below-the-belt equipment. When it comes down to it, the Institute for Women's Policy Research explains, Comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges, women earn close to what men earn. Women in similar workplaces with similar titles and similar credentials make pretty much what male peers do. Whether they are fast food employees making close to minimum wage or corporate executives making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. 
Here's some more evidence, if that matters to National Democrats. There was an analysis of more than 50 peer-reviewed papers commissioned by the Department of Labor that found that the so-called wage gap is mostly, perhaps entirely, an artifact of the different choices men and women make. Different fields of study, different professions, different balances between home and work. Consider the fact that 94% of childcare workers are women. That's just one example of lower-paying professions that are women-dominated. See the show notes page for a link to the Bureau of Labor Statistics for more occupation-specific data. So, this being the TruthQuest podcast, let's lay it out. In the United States of America, the gender pay gap is a fallacy. As I mentioned, it is a gender earnings gap, and it's due to the different choices men and women make in their careers. Often they make decisions on their careers that lead to less money in exchange for other benefits, such as more time with friends and family. Never forget that. And regardless what the truth is, the federal government has no constitutional power to get involved in this faux controversy. This is a fact that is never brought up in mainstream or conservative outlets. Listen to episode number three for an in-depth look at the unconstitutional overreach of the federal government. While I was working through the content for this episode, it occurred to me that the same people who argue about a gender pay gap are the same ones telling society that gender is fluid. These are the same people who are trying to pass laws saying a male who identifies as a female should be able to compete in women's sports competitions. You've got one of the major political parties in America that has essentially formed a circular firing squad. On the one hand, they claim that there are no differences between men and women, and they rage about the gender pay gap. On the other hand, they want us to accept that gender is something you can choose on a given day. Now you know why many of us claim that liberalism is a mental disorder. How else do you explain such contradictory positions? Honestly, it's exhausting trying to keep up with liberals' constant changing of definitions and norms. One of my favorite thinkers on this issue is Ash Shao, who writes for Daily Wire. Here are some wonderful insights from some of her articles on this subject. She argues that feminist argument pointing to a male-dominated society that hinders women's take-home pay due to child-rearing responsibilities is hypocritical. She says, quote, First, I question why we are basing women's worth in society on the money they bring home, rather than what they provide to the world, which would include the care they're given to family members and children. Secondly, changing the conversation this way begs an obvious counter-question. If women are forced to raise the children and care for family members, aren't men being forced to be absent from the family? Wouldn't the flip side of this argument be that we're telling men they're not important to the well-being of their family except for the money they provide? And might I add, yes, indeed, that is the message that the left has infused into society over the last 50 years. Men are bad, they are unnecessary because the state will always be there via welfare to quote-unquote help the women. So single-parent households remain at all-time highs, and National Democrats have another constituency in which to pander to as they build their coalition. Okay, back to Shao. Quote, these questions won't be answered because it's far easier and more satisfying for lazy intellectuals to claim women are oppressed rather than accept that generally men and women want different things in life, and the statistics reflect that. End quote. Mark Perry and Andrew Biggs of the American Enterprise Institute summarized the gender pay gap issue by pointing out that yet again, wage differences reflect personal choices and economic realities. They wrote, The 20% gender pay gap is actually a tiresome statistical myth that persists in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. The reality is that men and women make very different career work choices and frequently play very different family roles, especially for families with children. 
While gender discrimination undoubtedly occurs, it's an individual's choice, not discrimination, which accounts for the vast majority of gender differences in earnings. The undesirable aspects of certain jobs can range from the mundane to the gruesome. For instance, men have longer average commute times than their jobs than women. In the U.S., the average male spends 33 more hours commuting to work each year. How much extra pay would you demand to spend the equivalent of four additional eight-hour days sitting in traffic or on a bus riding to work? Men are also more likely to be injured or killed on the job. Economists have long found that all else equal, more dangerous jobs pay higher average wages than safer jobs. And the 20 jobs with the highest occupational fatality rates are on average 94% male. And 92% of workplace fatalities overall are men. On top of that, you can find data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and even from the Harvard study that show that men work more hours per week than women. The BLS studies show that in 2017, men worked an average of 8.05 hours on an average day compared to 7.24 hours for women. So, what did we learn about the gender pay gap? Number one, it's an earnings gap. An easily explained earnings gap, not a wage gap. It comes down to preferences, choices, and culture. If women work less because they prefer to spend time with family, their wages will fall. If women prefer less risky work, they will make less. If women choose to pursue college degrees and professions that garner lower wages, they will make less. And in a world where we are browbeaten by national Democrats and liberals abound about pro-choice, these same people refuse to accept the fact that wage differences actually reflect personal choices. The earnings gap reflects choice women make, not discrimination. The earnings gap figure is bogus because it does not reflect like-for-like pay gaps for employees in the same or comparable roles. While the gender pay gap is a myth, it is also true that there is some gender discrimination in labor markets because studies show that economic factors cannot explain all of the gender wage gap. You cannot outlaw discrimination. We've tried, but it's a natural part of human nature. You discriminate a dozen times a day. Who to speak to, what restaurant to go to, who to let in the traffic, whose project you work on. It goes on and on. So we are presented yet again with another so-called crisis with which the only plausible response is more government involvement in our lives. The so-called gender pay gap is just another attempt by the left in America to create another perceived aggrieved group, women, for whom their only recourse is to vote Democrat. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.